Welcome to this special edition of Principal PLN with guest host Ross Romano. If you're interested in impactful education innovation, you're in the right place. Today, we're kicking off a four-part series discussing CareerView XR and its alignment with four core principles that have the potential to drive student outcomes, uh, positive student outcomes for every child. I'm Ross Romano, host of the Authority Podcast here on the V Podcast Network. I'm joined today by Matt Shosi for this special episode. Matt is the CEO, Be More Colorful, a Midwest-based immersive media production studio whose platform, CareerView XR, is rapidly gaining national attention. CareerView XR provides students and adult career seekers across the country with an unprecedented opportunity to experience real-world careers through virtual reality technology. And it was recently selected from a field of over 2,000 applicants to be one of 33 semifinalists for the prestigious YAS Prize. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ross. I appreciate you having me. So, you know, we're setting the stage here for, you know, for a, a number of conversations where we're going to get a chance to dive pretty deeply into these four principles. We'll, we'll talk about what they are in a moment. But, you know, for our listeners who are tuning in or we're just getting to know you, wanted to give the, you know, you a chance to describe Be More Colorful and CareerView XR and, and how you got started with the company and, and the growth you've experienced over the past few years. Yeah, absolutely. So Be More Colorful is a, a virtual reality and immersive media production studio. We're based in Fargo, North Dakota, and we actually started in 2016 thinking we were going to change the game for residential real estate. And when home virtual tours weren't, we weren't able to sell home virtual tours. It was like, oh boy, what can we do? How do we pivot? How do we make this? Why isn't it working? And as we started doing some of that self-reflection, started realizing, boy, we're not solving a big problem. That there's There are opportunities here to use this media for things that can be much more impactful than just helping someone choose how to buy a home. Both Kate, you know, Katie and I, my wife, Katie and I are uh, husband and wife team. And we decided, you know what, we're going to, we're going to make this happen. We're going to go all in on this thing. We're going to figure out where our right fit is. Cause we'd started to see a little bit of traction in tourism, which then kind of led to workforce developments and economic developments. And that then started getting us connected with schools. And we're both very passionate learners and educators. And it was like, boy, we can use these immersive media technologies to help students make more informed choices about what their future path is by creating visibility to the wide array of options that that's not just students, but educators and parents are not even that familiar with. So that's the nutshell version. It's a seven-year journey to get to this point. So obviously there are a lot of additional uh, rabbit holes to go down there, but really that's the overall focus. It was it started off as a, a set of features in search of a problem repositioned as, boy, we need, really need to understand the problem and the people that's affecting first. And then we build a solution that helps solve that problem. Yeah. How did you get confirmation that focusing on careers was the right place to <laughs> put your energy? Well, it, it was interesting it was because we had, I, I said, we started in real estate, then we moved into travel and tourism. It was actually at a tourism conference where I ran into North Dakota's uh, commissioner of the Department of Commerce at the time. And I've always loved the show Dirty Jobs, like Mike Rowe is a hero. Um, and I've always been passionate about learning. I did a lot. So, okay, here's my story. Six and a half years in college for my four-year math degree. And it wasn't because I failed any courses. It's because I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. I had too many major changes. But 
I've always loved learning. And that's kind of a core principle of our company. And, and when I ran into the director of the Department of Commerce, I realized that I read an article recently talking about this workforce issue that North Dakota, as well as many other states are facing. And I, I asked her, I said, hey, I want to show, I had a VR headset in my hand. I said, I want to show you this virtual experience and then ask you a question. And she tried it on and had, I think it was, it was a pitchfork steak fondue, which is they actually use pitchforks and they're cooking steaks and big vats of oil. She took off the headset and like, wow, I felt like I was really there. And I said, yeah, what would you think about using this technology to help cr- increase awareness of some of the in-demand occupations? And she said, I love it. You need to come talk to the governor's workforce development council. So we did that. And immediately out of that meeting, this was a couple months later, we're back now, this would have been June of 2019. We had that meeting and immediately out of the meeting, we got our first two clients, which were the North Dakota Building Trades Unions and General Equipment and Supplies, who is a heavy equipment sales and service dealership. They said, we need this. That It is so difficult for us to go into a school and to tell kids what these careers are that it's just it's impossible you can't try to explain what it's like standing next to an excavator to a middle school student if they've never if they don't know the difference between an excavator and a bulldozer and a front end loader right they need to be able to get them there but you can't for things like a a lot of trades um, for even healthcare. You're constrained by these time, geography, financial safety, privacy uh, limitations that prevent us from getting kids into those locations. So that's where we saw the opportunity from there. We started working directly with students and teachers. We really, we did not want to, we didn't want to make the same mistake we made initially in real estate. We wanted to make sure let's understand the problem first. And we know we've got this tool set and we'll build a solution that is tailored to solving the problem that the students, counselors, and educators are informing us about. Can you kind of paint a little bit of a picture for listeners about what this looks like in the classroom and Students are using CareerView XR. Yeah, absolutely. So, so in the classroom, what this looks like, CareerView XR, it's a platform with two different formats for the media. We learned early on that just providing virtual reality content creates, introduces new barriers that that we cannot have in the classroom. You can't introduce new media and have it be dependent on a new type of hardware because then you're creating more problems than you're really solving. So the two formats that we provide, one is a web-based format that students and teachers can access from any device. They only need an internet connection. And while most schools weren't one-to-one in 2019, as soon as 2020 hits and we had to go to virtual learning, that there are very few schools now that don't have a school issued device available for students. And even in public charter and homeschool, there there's availability of standard devices. So all of our content can be accessed from any device with an internet connection, whether it's a phone or a tablet or a Chromebook. But we also have supplementary career videos. So supplementary immersive videos that if you have a VR headset and you're loading these, if if you're watching one of these videos on that headset, you're completely immersed in what that career is like. You're on top of the wind turbine. You're in the emergency room. You're riding along in the squad car with with the community support officer. That's really what it is. And, And it's tough to, if you've not tried VR before, it's tough to explain that. It's tough to show it in video. It's tough to explain it. 
you know, on, on a podcast. But one of the ways that we love showing that is, is just with demonstrations of students' engagement and interactions with it. And the responses have been super, super positive. So you, you were at a pivotal time in the, in the company's evolution, right? When the pandemic disrupted schools and education and society as a whole, how did that affect your progress during that time and the growth you were seeking as you were starting to kind of get your footing in education, right? And get the new focus. And, you know, that was a time where it was a unique time for technology. It, it, it was. And we were, we had just started with Career VXR. We had produced those experiences with the building trades unions and with general equipment. And we were just starting to get those out and visible. We'd had meetings with, with educators and career and technical education professionals, and we were getting good feedback. And we were starting to line up what our next shoots would be like. And then the pandemic hit. And the production partners we had up had lined up started canceling their shoots. And we're saying, oh my God, we're, we're this husband and wife company. We've literally gone all in, sold our house, Lake Place, one of our cars, and we're living in an apartment at the time. And we've been able to survive based on these production projects that have come, been coming in. And it basically got killed because nobody's willing to even let a company that's filming come on site for the risk of spreading coronavirus. But what came out of that was a new understanding from schools in particular of the value of the services that we were providing. It completely changed the conversation because schools, I mean, it, it's critically important to be able to show kids what these pathways are, let, let them experience it in person. But it's always been a little bit difficult to schedule field trips and job shadows. Not impossible, but I mean, the options are, are relatively limited based on your geography and what's around you. But what the pandemic ended up doing is really shined a spotlight on how woefully insufficient our ability to bring kids to job sites is what we, the little bit we were able to do now we can't do that at all. So that got people thinking better than being there in person, but more accessible than being there in person. And that's the thing that I love about what we're doing. And the silver lining for us from the pandemic was that people had an innate understanding of, boy, you create virtual field trips and virtual job shadows. So now we don't have to worry. At first it was, we don't have to worry about coronavirus, but then it turned into, oh, we don't have to worry about buses. We don't have to worry about permission slips. We don't have to worry about all these other things that that prevented them from doing all of the in-person types of career exploration that they would want to. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, Innovation and that, that work in the education space leads us to the Yas Prize that I, I referenced in the, the opening. And you're one of the semifinalists out of you know, more than 2,000 applicants, one of only 33 semifinalists. So clearly uh, there's something there that's working. Uh, one, can you fill people in on what that prize is all about who might not be familiar with it? And how did you come to get involved with it? Yeah, absolutely. So the Yas Prize is an education innovation award, and it's a national award that is backed by the Center for Education Reform, and it celebrates and rewards innovators in education. As you mentioned, there were 2,000, around 2,000 applicants this year from across the country, and the applicants were all applying to 
show the work that they're doing, innovating in education, not just ed tech, but other innovative approaches that could include using tried and true methods, but in a new and innovative manner, and really showing how they align with the OS Prize's STOP principles. And STOP stands for Sustainable, Outstanding, Transformational, and Permissionless. And today we'll be talking more about the sustainable aspect of that and, and how career view and, and Be More Colorful align there. But that's really the emphasis of the OS Prize is to celebrate those educators that are being innovative and creating new approaches to learning that ultimately lift up schools, students, and parents for helping their kids do that most important thing, which is by the end of the time they're in school, figure out what's next and be confident, be confident in that choice and be happy with that choice that, that they've made. So we we applied thinking, oh boy, I hope we make it. You know, it'd be amazing if we did. And in September, we were notified that we were one of 64 quarter finalists. And actually, my internet wasn't working well and it cut out right before they were making the announcement. I didn't actually get to hear it. My I was remote at a conference and I start getting messages from my team. Oh my God, oh my God, we made it, we made it. We're in, we're one of the quarter finalists. So that was how our journey started. And just this excitement to have this validation from this nationally renowned award say, yes, the work you've been doing for these past years is valuable. It's meaningful for teachers and students. And we're recognizing that. It just is pretty incredible. And we're grateful and honored to be a part of that awardee group. Yeah, so you referenced those, the stop, uh, principles, sustainable, transformational, outstanding, permissionless. And, and so with this being you know, the first of our four conversations, we're focusing on sustainable. There will be more episodes uh, of a variety of our network shows to come, focusing on the TOP. And we'll clue everybody in on those at the end of the episode here. So this sustainable pillar, they call it, right, the core pillar. It's the first one in the, what's it about and what makes it so optional to the entirety of this series of principles they've laid out. Yeah, I, I think the sustainability piece of it is really a focus on how can all of these, each of the entities involved, how can they create educational models and approaches to education that that aren't dependent on continued philanthropy, that are not restricted to only those families that have a, a ton of money available to be able to send their kids to really, really nice private schools. How do we create equitable education that lifts up all students by providing parents and teachers and students some, well, parents and students in particular, a bit of latitude in what it is they want to learn and how they want to learn it. And doing that in a way that there there are dollars available to make it happen that it doesn't have to be something that is taxing on families that you know we can really create choices in education in a fair manner that allow all students and and families to be able to have those choices to make from our standpoint sustainable means building a platform that is not restrictive it is not something that can only be accessed by larger school districts with big budgets. It's something that we want every single charter school and micro school and homeschool student to be able to afford because it's so critical to be able to become aware of what those career choices are. So I think sustainability, there, there's a financial component to it, making sure that that the dollars are available for all of these schools to operate the way that they need to. 
but there's also kind of sustainability in terms of innovative approaches to finding other ways to other ways to bring some of those dollars in and support your organizations. There are really cool organizations that are doing things like partnering with partnering with organ excuse me partnering with companies and employers and really finding ways to engage publicly to show that hey the output we're getting from these schools are really engaged and passionate students which then emphasizes the importance of putting dollars into those programs. Have you found that schools, when they're discussing with you some of their goals, the programs they're trying to bring to their students, their efforts centered around equitable access and opportunities and knowledge about right career pathways, future options, and what a variety of different success pathways could look like beyond K-12, that they're looking to you and to CareerView XR as a solution that's able to you know, get them closer to accessing what they want for their students. Yep. And, and that's, that's key, right? I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that our solution is going to line every single student across the country with exactly the perfect career. But what we do is we, we broaden their base knowledge. We provide um, a, a, an authentic glimpse into a wide variety of career experiences that they'd never be able to see before. And so, some of the stories that, that come out of this, I mean, it just, we've got, kids that are inspired. One kid, we always ask students what they want to see. And you would expect that these students are going to be asking for, oh, I want to see, I want to see football player. I want to see NASCAR driver. I want to see social media influencer. And we get those occasionally, but by and large, when I ask a room of students what they want to see, they're asking for things like teacher and accountant. And there was one class where two kids wanted to see an agronomist experience. And I never thought I'd, I'd hear a, uh, an elementary kid or middle school student say, I want to see an agronomist experience, but they haven't had a chance. They, they've heard about it, but they've never had a chance to go there in person. The other thing that I think is really important for schools and teachers and parents is to be thinking beyond what we know about different career pathways. You'd be amazed. The number of careers that I'm learning about by being, you know, by, by what we're doing with CareerView XR is just incredible. I mean, things like sterile instrument processing in hospitals, that you can be a critically important role in a hospital that if you, if your role doesn't exist, the hospital ceases to function, but you can do that without interacting with any patients. If you ask a student, what jobs there are at a hospital, the response you're going to get 90% of the time is doctor or nurse. And creating just that awareness of everything that's out there is so important. And we find that it really opens the eyes of the students and the counselors and the teachers of thinking about, well, how can we be thinking about career exploration differently and getting those students thinking, what's the right path for me? But also, is, is this something that I thought I was interested in, but it's really not what I thought was what I thought it was. At the end of the day, having students see a career view experience and they say, "Yeah, I'd like to learn more," or "No, that's not for me." Those are both equally successful outcomes. Right, and I mean, even adults have a, a pretty limited perspective on the variety and number of different types of roles and jobs and occupations that are out there within different industries and organizations. There's certain things that we know about but there's all these other layers and you know i would suppose that part of the sustainability of it is helping students or even adults to be able to make 
better decisions earlier about the things they really want to do and get involved in, right? So that they are, for example, when we think about uh, things like the cost of higher education and you mentioned your six and a half year journey, right? If, you know, if you're not really sure what you want to do and maybe even by the end of that four-year program, you're like, I'm just doing something for now, but I, I'm not sure if it's the right thing because I don't really quite understand the options or how to go the pathway I want to go to, then that's, you know, it's anti-sustainable because ultimately resources are limited, right? And, but in this case saying, look, it's not that everybody has to make a decision about what they want to do for the rest of their life when they're 16, but if you have a really good idea of the types of things that really drive you and motivate you and are really interesting to you, you can learn much more about those things and have a better chance at accessing those careers, if that's what you want to do, then uh, certainly you would if you didn't know about them at all. Yeah, it, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I'm really excited about in, in the sustainability model that we're working to build. We're, we're based in North Dakota, so we're starting this here, but we look to expand it across the country is getting employers involved. Employers have to be more involved in the K-12 process to be able to help support schools and to be able to help provide guidance for what's the output that we're looking for? I mean, we run a, a virtual reality and immersive media production studio and we get people thinking, oh, well, you must be hiring programmers. Well, no, yes and no. We need programming aptitude or, or logical aptitude, but we hire creatives and filmmakers and writers and we need people that have those soft skills and really schools that, that are focusing on work-based learning and, and providing output that's going to get students ready for the workforce. And I think ultimately sustainability dollars need to be going to schools that are proving that they're doing that. I think probably the least sustainable model is, you know, you go through this progression of core standards and then you graduate and you go to college and you figure out what you're going to want to going to want to do. And then you find out that it was all for the wrong stuff, which was what I did. And I'm not complaining to be clear. I, I liked my education, but there are way too many students that don't have that opportunity to have someone really individualize what, what approaches are going to work best for them. I kind of went down a rabbit hole there, but on on our on, on the Be More Colorful and Career VXR side, we've been working really closely with making those connections between employers and educators across the state. And we were actually successful this year in, in working with the North Dakota state legislature to get funding that was appropriated to the office of career and technical education that they then decided to use to purchase career view XR and deploy that across the state of North Dakota. Now that isn't sustainable in and of itself, right? Because those are appropriated dollars. And we all know that in, in lean times, those things can get taken away, but what we're going to do over the next two years is work with those employers that we've got 65 amazing experiences that are paired with equally amazing employers that now have an opportunity to present what they've got to schools. And we can start working on a sustainability model where those employers can help provide access to those experiences through through us, where we don't have to, we want to, in two years from now, we want to have a model where this is entirely privately funded and to have that be a model that is, is able to be replicated in other states. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a major part of not only the sustainability, but the viability of any educational solution is 
the ability to partner with schools to find the creative, innovative funding solution, right? And one, you know, certainly for equity purposes to say that, okay, the school that doesn't have a lot of resources should be prevented from accessing a useful tool because of that, but also because ultimately most schools, most public schools have, are going to have resource challenges. And so for a new solution coming to market to be able to get in there, it takes some creativity and it really takes partnership and getting on the same page and an alignment and talking to them about their goals, what they need, what do they see working together. And it's clear that you've been going down that road thus far and then finding that out. And that's, you know, a clear illustration, I think, of the types of things that you can continue to do. And it's going to look different case by case. As you said, the funding is always changing where it's coming from, where it is. And that's why it's a hard job. <laughs> but at the same time, the reality is you have, you share the same goals with these schools, right? Yeah. You know, everybody has the goal of ensuring that these students are prepared for success through and beyond their schooling years and into their life. And the only way to make that work is to really be working together in integration. Otherwise, there's you know, too many gaps, too many holes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that working together and in integration because that that's another core um, principle of the OS Prize. I, I kind of ended our YAS journey on we were selected as quarterfinalists, but where it went from there is um, they actually flew all of the quarterfinalists out to Cleveland. And then we had an opportunity to meet all, all of the other quarterfinalists. And we only had a day and a half, so there wasn't a, a lot of time to get into deep conversations. But we're able to meet these folks in person and learn about the other innovation that's happening. And yes, it is there is a competitive nature to it, but it's only to make all of the participants better, right? And collaboration really is as much or more a part of this whole this whole initiative than anything else. And one thing that they've been really stressing throughout the entirety of it is you are now part of this, you're part of this group, you're part of this family and, and everyone is here to support you in your efforts and you're here to support all of them in their efforts. And I just, I love that approach. One of our, one of our core company values is celebrate collaboration. And I couldn't think of an organization that is doing that better than the OS prize. So we're all in Cleveland, we're meeting each other. We're talking, I'm talking with folks from New York and, and there, there's another school from North Dakota that we're visiting with and Wisconsin. And I mean, just everywhere. Hawaii. We had a great quarterfinalist that was from Hawaii. I got to meet him. Never would have gotten a chance to do that if it weren't for this award. And we're all there talking about collaborating and everyone's hopeful they'll move into the semifinals. And the in on the second night is when they have the announcement. And we were just elated to be there. And I wasn't sure where we would land on it. And when I saw Be More Colorful come up on the screen, it just, it goosebumps, right? It, it's further validation of all of this hard work that we've been doing. And to be clear, not just us, all of the partners that have helped make this happen and are making this whole thing sustainable, it's validation of all of their efforts as well. So we're now on this journey where now we're one of 33 semifinalists that are engaging in further collaboration. And how can we really 
change the landscape and work together to make sure that 21st century technologies and tried and true approaches that are reimagined can be used to uplift students all across the country. Yeah. And so in that spirit of collaboration, are there some of the other uh, semifinalists that you'd like to highlight or shout out with respect to uh, this sustainability pillar? Of course, yeah. they're all doing right work that aligns with, with all of the principles. But uh, since this is our conversation today. Yep, absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to list eight that I really like from a sustainability standpoint. But I want to be clear that all other 32 semifinalists uh, here are are doing phenomenal. I mean, they, they wouldn't be here if they didn't check that that sustainability box, as well as the transformational outstanding and permissionless. So we're actually going to highlight all 32 of them throughout the course of this series. But I want to call out uh, eights that, are, that I really like what they're doing from a sustainable um, standpoint. So first one would be um, Detroit Achievement Academy. They're building a sustainable model by providing innovative approaches that create civically engaged students. And you've got a student that's invested in their community. That is a student that's thinking about their school and how to give back to their school. You're, you're creating sustainability there. Families Empowered focuses on parent empowerment and support services and showing sustainability by providing resources and options to family who are seeking choices in education. There's Lutheran Urban Mission Initiative, excuse me, Lutheran Urban Mission Initiative or Lumen, which is in Wisconsin, and they blend curriculum and comprehensive studies, and they've created a long-term model. They've been around for 20 plus years. I mean, what a what an inspirational thing, right? There's a National Fellowship for Black and Latino Male Educators who focuses on recruiting educators and serving low-income students and creating opportunities for Black and Latino males to position them into senior level and C-suite roles. And if you're creating a school that's bringing people into those upper level roles, now you've got companies that are looking back at the schools that help bring their leadership there. And th that helps create some of those sustainable opportunities where now the companies are supporting the schools. There's, well, actually there's two Odysseys here, but I'm gonna start with Odyssey, the EdTech platform. Odyssey, the EdTech platform, They've got a platform where parents can help identify funding opportunities and educational navigate educational savings account initiatives at varying states to figure out how do we how do they use dollars that are available to help support their children's individualized learning. Then there's Odyssey Charter School, and they've got a commitment to it. It's a dual Greek English language immersion program, which I just think is really cool and to create something that's so nuanced and really, I mean, you've got to be passionate, right? About Greek language to go into a program like that. And that kind of passion then turns into sustainability. There's On Your Mark Education. They've got a virtual tutoring platform focused on literacy. And I think one of the biggest struggles for kids learning to read is, are there people in the area that are going to teach them how to read? If there aren't, you can't bring people in, but a virtual solution solves that problem, right? There are definitely enough people that are passionate about teaching kids how to read across the country to meet the needs of the students distributed in other areas of the country. I just, I love what On Your Mark is doing. And then there's West Virginia Academy and they're one that on, on the financial side, they're, they're showing sustainability. They're a public charter school who's been able to successfully leverage public uh, funds for an expansion of educational benefits that are, that are benefiting uh, traditionally disadvantaged students. So those are the eight, I, I wish I could go through all of the other 24. We're going to hit all other 24 on the other three episodes though. But yeah, we're just, we're honored to be listed amongst these folks 
startups that are just doing amazing things in education. Wonderful. So what are the next steps for the OS Prize? How can listeners support you? Well, the next steps are we're actually moving into a virtual accelerator program over the next four weeks where we'll have remote sessions. We'll be learning a lot more about the initiative, about our fellow semifinalists and learning from some Saul Khan, where I'm going to hear from him in a couple hours on a call. So I'm just, I'm excited to to learn. It, it is a, the, the next four weeks are a learning opportunity that then culminate in a week-long boot camp in Miami where we'll have an opportunity to refine our pitch and then actually pitch for the $1 million Yas prize. So that's what a lot of that's what a lot of the next few weeks are going to entail. But there is one other opportunity that I want to make sure that we call out, and that's the Parents' Choice Award. Every one of the semifinalists is eligible for, for a parents for the Parents' Choice Award, which is actually selected by a vote from the general public. And this is a little different. This it's a little interesting because the Parents' Choice Award you have to decide what you're going to do with the funds, and it doesn't have to be something that necessarily directly aligns with those stop initiatives. And what we've opted to do, if we if we're the winner of the Parents' Choice Award, we're going to take that hundred thousand dollars and we're going to put that into a fund that will seed an ongoing an ongoing investment that allows schools uh, that that don't have the resources to purchase VR hardware to be able to help offset those costs. And that's something that I would love anybody listening to be able to go out to yasprize.org slash vote and give us a vote for, for if you believe in helping us accomplish that, we'd, we'd love to see votes there. But I also want to say that in the spirit of collaboration, you actually get two votes every day. So I want to make sure to call out that you should research and look into these other 32 organizations. They're doing incredible things. And as much as we'd love your vote, you got to vote your heart too. Like vote, vote for whoever you think is furthering what you believe needs to happen most in education. Right. Yeah. It's a great opportunity for everyone out there to just, it's click away and we'll put the link below in the show notes to where you can go and vote, but to really be able to make a difference, to have those funds go toward giving schools and as a result, teachers and students, the ability to access solutions that really can help them to be successful. We want to make sure that you know about this four-part conversation and stay tuned to the rest of it across the B Podcast Network. So today, you've heard about the sustainability principle. You'll hear about the transformational principle on transformative principle coming up soon. You'll hear about the outstanding principle on the fact that leaders and permissionist learning Missionless learning that I said on Rebel Educator. Both of those episodes are coming up later this month. So make sure that you subscribe and listen to those wherever you get your podcast to hear the rest of these conversations. And further, uh, be sure to check out our new EdTech Startup Showcase series, which is coming very soon. You're going to hear a lot more from Be More Colorful and a handful of other great startups from across the country uh, all year long. We're going to do a year long series there at a great chance to hear about the journeys of building these companies, the work they're doing with schools, and the difference it's making in school communities. So follow the B Podcast Network on Twitter or LinkedIn to learn more about that series and, and as we get ready to launch, or subscribe to our email list at bpodcast.network for updates. Matt, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ross, and, and thanks everyone for listening. Edited by Gage Sanderson.